Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is your wwe night of champions 2023 post show it is may 27th 2023 i am your host jd from new york as always coming to you from the ots beer garden Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Saturday afternoons, wherever you may be. Man, it is, it is absolutely beautiful to be back inside the beer garden, man. Beer garden means we got some German-inspired ales. We have some funnel cake. We have hot dogs and cheese fries and hamburgers and whatever else you guys love. On your Memorial Day weekends, man. Beach, sun, cold beverages, you can't beat it. You can't beat it. And you can't beat a decent wrestling show on a lazy Saturday afternoon, man. I thought Night of Champions, and typically this is what happens with these WWE shows. This is not any any secret. This is not out of the ordinary for WWE WWE usually has zero 
And I mean zero build for these shows. And if there is, it sucks. Which, case in point, was the Night of Champions build. All of these matches, all of these matches, even Cody and Brock, were thrown together with no rhyme or reason, no explanation, and the championship matches on these shows were just thrown together because they needed Night of Champions, a night where all the championships are on the line in WWE, except the United States title. I don't know why. Maybe there was something against the United States Championship being defended in Saudi Arabia. I I don't know if there was a political agenda behind that one. I don't know, but Night of Champions, another gimmick pay-per-view in a string of gimmicks that WWE, I wish, did away with because the build to it is never really something that lives up to the name of the pay-per-view. Decent show. Decent show. Hard to not be a decent show when you got the bloodline storyline. Basically, the backbone of WWE is this bloodline storyline. When you got the bloodline storyline carrying the company as the only storyline in the entire company. And I mean that. The only thing going on right now. Everything else seemingly has zero to barely any story at all on WWE television. I did not expect what we got tonight. Everybody thought it was going to be a specific Uso that turned on Roman. It was not the Uso that everybody expected to turn on Roman first. It was the other Uso. It was the happy-go-lucky, really nonchalant Uso who just let things... Pass him by. No no worry from this Uso. He was just very chill most of the time. And he was telling everybody else to calm down and be Usi. Jimmy Uso turns on Roman Reigns. While everybody suspected and thought it was going to be Jay Uso. I thought this was great. There were some similarities to what Sami Zayn did at the Royal Rumble. And I love everything that happened here because now you start to see the puzzle pieces falling into place with how the bloodline is basically deteriorating right before your very eyes. Jey Uso has been so blind, maybe not blind. I think that's too harsh of a word. Maybe he does see it, but Jey Uso did not want to believe Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn has been predicting this every step of the way. Jey Uso, in his mind, did not want to believe, in his heart, did not want to believe Sami Zayn was right. And everything Sami Zayn has said has basically come to fruition. It is Roman Reigns from within that is destroying the bloodline all by himself. Jey Uso did not want to believe anything that was going on around him, but realized tonight that everybody around him might actually just be correct in what they're saying about the bloodline. Now Jimmy was the one to turn on Roman when everybody thought it was going to be Jay. 
because Jay was the easy target. Jimmy was the one who pulled the trigger first. Now this opens up a whole slew of possibilities. Friday just became infinitely more interesting on Friday Night SmackDown because we don't know what Roman Reigns is going to do or say when it comes to the Usos and how he's going to handle what happened tonight on Friday. Jimmy Uso pulled the trigger. Now this gives way to Jay looking at what Jimmy did. And now if Jay is still hesitant on what's going on, then we have some sort of problem. But with Sammy saying it and now Jimmy pulling the trigger, Jay has no choice but to let his guard down and admit that everything that Sami Zayn has been saying was correct. Because if his blood, his brother, his best friend on this earth just did what he did tonight, then there's no reason for him not to believe. He's going to have to believe. His brother did something that should have been done. Words that came out of his mouth tonight. Jey Uso is undoubtedly going to have to follow. And with the actions of Jimmy, this opens up Jay to see what he could not previously with the bloodline and what was happening with Roman. Such a beautiful story. And from that, there's even more that opens up. Because now we got Jimmy doing what he did tonight. Super kicking Roman twice. Jay in shock. Did the same thing. Said the same thing. Same mannerism. Same body language that he gave Sami Zayn at the Royal Rumble. He didn't want to believe it. He didn't want to go along with it. But the look, the eyes told the story of Jay Uso. Jay Uso is going to be on board with what Jimmy did. The other story, the much bigger story, is what is Solo Sokoa going to do? And how is Solo Sokoa going to act and think? Seeing that his brothers turned on Roman, is he going to see what they see? Is he going to make the decision when the time comes to pull the trigger and him his decision be the most explosive in the entire bloodline. This is the revolt from within that this story is telling. Jimmy turned. Jay is now going to go along with it, and he starts to see what's going on. Solo Sokoa may be the guy at the end of this story that makes everything change forever when it comes to the bloodline. Solo may be the guy at the end of it all that takes the thumb and the Samoan spike and spikes Roman's reign into the grave. This entire storyline is showing you exactly what is going on here. The unity of the Usos, the brothers, the band of brothers banding together to go against Roman and his egomaniacal, manipulative ways. That is going to be the end of Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is not going to lose because he's not capable of winning. Roman Reigns is the greatest final boss in the history of WWE. I stand behind that firmly. Roman Reigns is going to lose everything, not because he's not capable, not because he's not the greatest, not because he isn't a great wrestler, but Roman Reigns is going to lose because of his ego beating him in the end. Power and everything that comes along with what he's done is going to crumble on top of him and he will have nobody to blame but himself. 
Roman is going to be served a nice piece of humility by the Usos. And the Usos will stand firm, they will stand tall, and there will be a new bloodline led by Solo Sokoa with the Usos where everybody is treated equal. They will all eat at the head of the table. They will all be relaxing on the island of relevancy. This is it. This is exactly what you're seeing. And I think this is all fucking great. This is fantastic stuff. Sammy got his moment. Sammy Zayn, let me tell you something about Sammy Zayn, man. Sammy Zayn has made event to three WWE premium live events this year. He main evented WrestleMania night one. He main evented Montreal at the Elimination Chamber. He main evented Night of Champions. You know, a lot of people were like, oh, Sami Zayn, he should go back to AE, or he should go back to the Indies, or go to AEW and don the mask of El Generico again. Fuck out of here. You're going to send Sami Zayn back to the Indies to do what? Wrestle uh, Lee Moriarty? Give me a fucking break. Nobody wants to see that shit. This is incredible. Sami Zayn, who was dead to rights in the Vince McMahon administration, has main evented three WWE PLEs this year, and we're not even through the month of May yet. That is incredible. Kevin Owens, I hope to God that this tag team title run lasts and gives us something substantial because they are fucking great. They gave Sami Zayn a win, a big monumental win. He didn't pin Roman. He didn't pin Roman, but him standing over Roman holding the tag team titles tonight, that told the story of the entire night. Sami got one over the bloodline. Sami got one over on Roman Reigns without actually pinning Roman Reigns this evening. And I thought this was great. Everything everything just flowed great in this match. The story was there. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing how this all collapses around Roman Reigns. Now, I, I said this, and I have said this for weeks. I don't know what they're doing as far as who they have lined up for Roman Reigns. It could be Bobby Lashley. It could be AJ Styles. It could be Edge on SmackDown. There really isn't much that Roman has fresh on SmackDown. He's basically ran through everybody. It's just a a, a rinse and repeat of all the guys that he's already slayed in this title ring. What is WWE going to do? Bobby Lashley may be the freshest of them all. AJ Styles as well. I don't think we've seen that since uh, AJ first got to WWE. But Bobby Lashley would probably be the majority pick there as far as fresh opponents, because we haven't seen that in quite some time one-on-one. Maybe they go and do that at Money in the Bank. I think that's kind of lame. I honestly think that's just a waste of Bobby Lashley, to be quite honest with you. But now the question is, who does Roman defend these titles against? Are we looking at Jimmy Uso completely being a rebel And going after Roman Reigns. He already stated that he thinks he's the tribal chief. He's been the tribal chief since day one. Maybe Roman Reigns is so fucking angry at the end of what happened tonight at Night of Champions that he gives Jimmy Uso a shot at the Undisputed Championships and he gives Jimmy Uso a one-on-one match for the titles. Jay got a match against Roman one-on-one, so why not Jimmy? Why not Jimmy? That could serve as another catalyst for the breakup of the bloodline with the Usos and Roman Reigns. That may be something that Jay sees that will push him further away from Roman and side even more so with Jimmy, 
How much? I don't know. After tonight, he should already be at a decision, but that may be the catalyst that drives him completely to be on Jimmy's side because right now he's 50-50. He doesn't know what to think. Do we see Jimmy Uso get the championship match at night of champions? What about Solo Sokoa? Does he get a championship match? I don't know if that's the right moment to do that now, but stranger things have happened. I I, I don't know. Anything could happen between now and Money in the Bank, now and SummerSlam. Roman Reigns could be in a storyline with title defenses against his own family because that's the only thing that's unpredictable at this moment. Everything else with Roman, you put him in there against anybody on SmackDown, it's going to be a very, very predictable outcome, and there's no story there. You're just biding time until you get to what really matters. So Roman Reigns, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. I still think it is way too long for WWE to drag Roman and Cody out until WrestleMania. The way things are facilitating now, the way things are culminating now with Roman Reigns and the bloodline, they need to get this shit out of the way, man. They need to do Roman and Cody at SummerSlam. WrestleMania 40 is just way too much time. How we get there, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with Cody Rhodes after tonight's fucking circus with Brock Lesnar. He lost, so he doesn't really deserve a championship match against anybody unless he wins money in the bank in uh, in July. I don't know. Do they do Roman and Cody? And do they just blow off the entire bloodline there with the bloodline turning on Roman one by one by one and they all take out Roman individually and help Cody Rhodes win the world championship? I would much rather see that at SummerSlam than at WrestleMania. So maybe they do that, and maybe we're starting to speed up the process of getting that done at SummerSlam. But the question is, and it's a big one, who does Roman Reigns defend these championships against? Because the rumors are now suggesting that he will be defending these titles at Money in the Bank and at SummerSlam. But against who? Anybody but his own family is just a waste of our time. Anybody but Cody is just a waste of our time. So it's going to be very interesting to see what WWE does with Roman coming out of this show. But this storyline tonight was fucking fantastic. Great, great, great stuff, which should come as no surprise with the bloodline. They've been the backbone of WWE television, and legitimately, it's the only thing that matters on TV. Without it, WWE TV is fucking terrible right now. They are ice cold on television, on Monday and on Friday. They got nothing going on, especially after a draft that was supposed to shake the foundation of WWE. They've done nothing to make anything feel any different. Zero. Zero. And I'm not giving AEW a buy either. Their storylines and their TV has been predominantly ice cold as well. Bianca Belair. I want to talk about this first before we talk about the World Championship because I don't think anybody expected Bianca Belair to lose her Raw Women's Championship at Night of Champions tonight. This was the shocker of the evening. I did not expect Asuka to win the Raw Women's Championship. Now, I saw a lot of people online tonight ask, well, why didn't they do this and why didn't they pull the trigger at WrestleMania? I don't think you guys are realizing that WWE is in the season of rewriting their record books. They wanted Bianca Belair to break the all-time women's championship record as far as days in her title reign. If Asuka beat Bianca Belair, which was the right decision, 
at WrestleMania. They didn't pull the trigger on it. If WWE had Oscar beat Bianca Belair, then they would not be able to call Bianca Belair the longest reigning Raw Women's Champion of all time. That's just the story of what's going on with Bianca Belair. But Oscar wins, and I have one simple question to ask. How does this change anything? Genuinely, how, how does this change anything in WWE? Asuka wins. She's now the Raw Women's Champion. I love the ending. I thought the ending was fucking great, creative, and something that I haven't seen done in a women's match in WWE. Very, very nice how they handled the entire ending. Some people may think differently, and some people might not want such a record-setting reign to end in that manner, but I didn't really care because... One thing is for certain, and that is Bianca Belair is fucking stale. Stale. I'm glad she lost the championship. I would have done it at WrestleMania. I don't give a fuck about Bianca Belair's longest reigning women's championship reign of all time. I don't care. I don't care about these record books. She should have lost the title to Asuka at Mania. I understand how people did not like the way the match ended because of the longevity of her reign. But what does this do? How does this make WWE any different? The Monday Night Raw women's title is still on SmackDown. Asuka is a SmackDown superstar. Does this now mean that WWE is a little bit more prone and open to moving Asuka over to Monday Night Raw? That's what I'd love to know. Is WWE open to now moving Asuka to Monday Night Raw? Because the title certainly needs to go back to Monday Night. Do they now move Rhea Ripley over to... SmackDown, being that she's the SmackDown Women's Champion. And I say this because Triple H did mention while the draft was happening that there would be trades between Raw and SmackDown. There would be transfers if needed, if it made sense. And WWE hasn't done a transfer like this yet. They didn't transfer Bianca over to Raw and Rhea over to SmackDown because they were holding their brand's respective titles. Maybe now they're a little bit more open to doing it because I honestly think that they want Rhea versus Bianca to happen at some point, and that cannot happen if they are on opposite brands. So now it's a little bit more easy for WWE to digest the move, to move Asuka over to Monday Night Raw and trade Asuka for Rhea Ripley, championship for championship. That way, Rhea Ripley gets over to SmackDown with the title and Bianca Belair, no longer a champion, doesn't have to be moved over to Monday Night Raw. She can remain on SmackDown. That's something that I was thinking about while watching the ending of this match. It could be a possibility that WWE is thinking that. Now, the other thing that I would absolutely do above all else is a unification match. Maybe we get some sort of unification match between Asuka and Rhea Ripley and we merge the titles and we have one singular women's championship and both divisions can flop between both raw and smackdown now i know that's a stretch i know wwe is probably not going to do that but it is a possibility and it is still the best option for wwe at this point doing the same thing with the men's tag team division is the same i've been saying this since 2016 but more than likely wwe is a little bit more open to trading Asuka over to Monday Night Raw for Rhea Ripley because they want Rhea and Bianca on the same brand. 
Now, I know this would take Oscar away from SmackDown, and I know this would take Oscar away from Io Shirai. I know you. Uh, I know you guys. A lot of you guys on social media. A lot of you guys in the chat are clamoring for an Oscar versus Io showdown for a WWE Women's Championship potentially at SummerSlam. I get it. I get it. I'd love to see it as well. But I don't think that's on WWE's radar right now. We need to get EO where she needs to be. Right now, she's still in damage control, which is affiliated with SmackDown. We need to get EO on her feet by herself and get the crowd behind her before we can start putting her in a feud with Asuka. Because I know it sounds great and it looks fucking great on paper. And I know it would be a goddamn classic. But we got to get there first and we got to follow the appropriate protocol before we get there and start doing dream matches like EO and Asuka on a major pay-per-view. But I was genuinely shocked that WWE pulled the trigger on Bianca Belair. I thought she was never going to lose that championship. But this may be it. This may be WWE's way. And I hope to God that we do get an explanation because we need some clarity on why the Raw Women's Championship is on SmackDown and the SmackDown Women's Championship is on Raw. It just looks statistically, analytically, and logically retarded. It does. I I don't understand why WWE even made these moves, but I can only blame one man, and I know it's not Triple H. Triple H would never do something so blatantly stupid and illogical on a creative side of things in WWE. I'm sorry. This was a Vince McMahon total move to have both championships flopped on opposite brands. But I was shocked that Asuka beat Bianca Belair tonight Wasn't really all that special of a match. I mean, it wasn't bad. I mean, the ladies worked hard, but I wouldn't call it a classic by any stretch. I was just shocked at how Bianca Belair went into Night of Champions and everybody suspected that she would walk out because this was a nothing match built off a nothing feud. And Asuka is now the Raw Women's Champion. So it's going to be interesting to see what WWE does with the Women's Championships and Bianca Belair now that she lost. Does she get a rematch? Does she win money in the bank and get a rematch against Asuka? Is there a bigger storyline here that we may not be seeing? Probably not. I think that would be a waste of Bianca Belair and a waste of the money in the bank. So we will see. And Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles. They opened the show tonight with the World Heavyweight Championship, the vacant World Heavyweight Championship. And I thought it was a damn good match. A lot of people, a lot of people did not like my particular opinion on social media of this match. I don't know what match you guys were watching. Maybe you were watching something from AJ Styles TNA days that uh, didn't resonate with you. Maybe you had on uh, Impact Plus or the Impact app or something like that and not watching Night of Champions like the rest of us were on a Saturday afternoon. But I thought the match was fucking great. I don't know how you think Seth Rollins is going to go in there and have a bad match with AJ Styles. And people were legitimately calling this a bad match. I don't know what the fuck you guys were watching, man. I really don't. I thought this was great. The only thing I did not agree with is the fact that WWE opened the show with this. Now, I get it. I get it. WWE had the greater story to close the show. They wanted visually to end the show with Roman Reigns defeated. Not really defeated, meaning he was pinned, but defeated because his cousins handed him an ass kick. Or Jimmy Uso, his cousin, 
handed him an ass kick. I get it. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But it's very difficult for me to sit here and think otherwise about the World's Heavyweight Championship. We know it's a secondary title. They're not going to act. AJ and Seth Rollins are not going to act like it's a secondary title. But WWE doubled down on the World's Heavyweight Championship being a secondary title, a consolation prize, a runner-up trophy tonight on Night of Champions by having that match open the show. Now, granted, it was a great match. If you want this world championship to be taken seriously and to be looked at in the same vein as the world heavyweight championship that Roman Reigns is holding, then it should have went on last. And I could make a valid point about everything that I'm about to tell you about the world heavyweight championship. Some people not, some people might not look at it as a big deal. I look at it as a big deal because this is a company that does not or at least up until when Triple H took over, this was a company that historically has not treated their championships like legitimate championships. This is a company that shit on the prestige of most of their championships. WWE had an opportunity here to give the World Heavyweight Championship some spotlight, and they failed. They failed on doing the one thing that I asked them to do, The most logical thing to do was to put this match on in the main event and give Seth Rollins his fucking flowers in the ending of the show. Now, they chose story over the championship. They chose the bloodline over the World Heavyweight Championship. Some people might not give a shit, but I I think otherwise about it. Roman Reigns can headline 12 out of 12 premium live events. We know Roman Reigns is the head of the table. We know Roman Reigns is the world champion. We know his championships are the end-all, be-all in the company. For him to main event one less pay-per-view this year would not have broke the bank. It would not have made people look at Roman any differently. And it would have been worth it to put the World Heavyweight Championship on that type of platform to give it the prestige and the importance that it so desperately needs because the stigma around the championship right now is that It is a second-place prize. It was a second-place prize as soon as Triple H unveiled that shit underneath the cover on Monday Night Raw several weeks ago. That's all they needed to do. Now, they could have had the fucking greatest match of all time. It still does not change the fact that it is a second-place prize, and they opened the show. By the end of the show, you were not thinking about Seth Rollins. By the end of the show, you were not thinking about the World Heavyweight Championship. These things, you only get one opportunity to do them. 
You only get a first chance, a first impression, first time to do anything. You got to do it right. And they did not do it right, and they let the title down. Rollins and Styles had a great match. Rollins and Styles, no matter what people want to say about the title, they proved the point tonight. They went out there and wrestled like they had something to prove. And they proved to everybody that the World Heavyweight Championship is going to be the workhorse championship of the WWE. It is going to be the wrestling championship of the WWE. And mark my words, Seth Rollins is going to make sure you attribute pro wrestling to that World Heavyweight Championship. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. All in all, Night of Champions was a very enjoyable three hours. And we're going to go over exactly how everything went down tonight on Night of Champions right here on OTS, man. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Saturday afternoons. If I sound a little bit under the weather, it's because I am. Leave it to me to get sick on Memorial Day weekend. But I appreciate you guys being here. We're going to have a great time tonight. We got 3,600 in the OTS beer garden, man. It's not a grand opening. If you guys have been with me, you saw the beer garden last year. But this is the whole vibe, man. We like to have different vibes throughout the seasons. The summertime, we're in the beer garden. Most of the year, we are in the OTS venue. Sometimes we'll be inside my mother's basement. Who knows what we're going to be doing in the wintertime, bro? Who knows? I don't know. I got to get something for every season so you guys keep coming back for more. You never know where we're going to be. But we are back in the beer garden, and we are having a great time kicking off the summer right right here on OTS. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. I see those likes going up, man. We got 3,600 people in here. We got 817 likes. There should be no less than 1,000 likes, minimum. Minimum. My beer garden manager says minimum. So get those thumbs up, man. Super chats are open. Get them on in. We're going to hang out at the end of the show. Make sure those beverages are cold, man. It's going to be a good one. Memberships are open. Get them on in. If you're thinking about becoming a new member, please do. Perks, emotes, badges, early uploads. You get it all. Plus, you're a VIP on the best damn fucking live stream in the entire IWC, man. You get to spend time with us here and become a VIP. You see where the fire pits are right back there, man. What the fuck are you drinking? That's where you sit in VIP. So hit that join button if you want to become a new member. Oh, geez, if you want to re-up, I'd love to see you guys recommit to the OTS venue, as always. Make sure you go check out all the other content on the channel. Plenty of it. We will be live again tomorrow night with Double or Nothing. AEW signature show from Vegas. We'll be talking about that tomorrow night. And tonight's show... Is sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. BlueChew.com. I want to thank them for being a great, and I mean phenomenal friend of the podcast right here on Off the Script. 
Let's get into Night of Champions, man. Night of Champions opened up with the World Heavyweight Championship. Seth Rollins and AJ Styles. I thought this was a great open to the show. Wrestling match-wise, I would not have put this match on first, but I thought this was a great wrestling match between the two. And if this is what we are to expect from Seth Rollins and him being the world champion, it is going to be a fantastic reign. Now, who do we put in the ring with Seth Rollins as the world heavyweight champion? There are multitudes of different ways you could go about this. Obviously, the clear-cut guy, when he loses the IC title, would be Gunther. I think that's the end-all, be-all for Seth Rollins. I think that's the guy that takes the belt from Seth Rollins when it is time. Gunther versus Seth Rollins is my prediction for the World Heavyweight Championship match at WrestleMania in Philadelphia. And that's where we crown Gunther as the man again. And that's where we have Gunther go on a Roman Reigns-esque reign himself. That would be fantastic. Seth Rollins versus a heel Drew McIntyre. That could be something worth watching over there. Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor. They could rekindle their feud from several years ago when they battled over the vacant Universal Championship. Just a couple of ideas to throw around there for Seth Rollins at the top of the card on Monday Night Raw. But I'm going with a heel Drew. That's what we're looking at, I think, early on here for Seth Rollins in his world title reign. This was a fundamental match. Very good WWE World Championship match. I think this will go down as probably one of the best WWE matches of the entire year. It's a stretch to say it may be one of the best wrestling matches all year because that's just a wide open field and there has been some great pro wrestling with more yet to come this weekend. But I thought this was a great WWE Championship match where it will be on the list of best matches in WWE all year. Styles. Clothesline Rollins to the floor immediately. So Styles was in a rush, a sense of urgency from Styles early. Crowd was hot. Saudi Arabia and their crowds have been on point the last few shows, man. So kudos to the Saudi crowd in Riyadh. They were awesome. So Styles, he is in control. He connected with a knee to Seth Rollins. Rollins tries to cut him off by posting him on the middle turnbuckle. Styles responded by suplexing Rollins into the corner. He hits a float over, reverse DDT. He goes to the first pinfall of the match, gets a near fall. Rollins comes back with a buckle bomb in the corner, hit a frog splash off the top rope for a near fall. Rollins reversed the Styles clash attempt. That was attempt number one. Styles got the advantage again. It took Rollins to the corner to attempt a Styles clash off the middle rope. But Rollins reversed and hit a Huron Karana. Rollins connected with a reverse superplex off the top rope and then connected with a reverse Falcon Arrow for two. Rollins missed a Phoenix Splash. Styles went to the apron off of the Phoenix Splash attempt. Rollins and Styles on the apron now, battling it out, and Styles gives him a devastating brain buster on the ring apron. Rollins cut off Styles, hit a suicide dive out to the floor, and every time, I don't know how you guys feel, man. I know Rollins has had a history with knee issues, but every time he does a dive on the floor, I kind of wince 
and cringe a little bit because I always think back to when he injured his knee. It took him forever to get back to being the Seth Rollins that we knew. This gave me flashbacks to that. I'm like, oh, no, he grabbed his knee. But at the end of it, it was just Rollins being a consummate professional, selling the knee to add a little bit more dramatic effect to the closing sequence of the match. That's all this was. So off the suicide dive, he hit a, he hit a big dive, and he clutched his knee for a little bit, and he was selling the effects of the dive for the rest of the match. This led to AJ Styles getting a calf crusher and a very tense moment in the match. But Rollins managed to escape as he got to the ropes. Rollins dodged a Pele kick back to his feet, hit a stomp on Styles' hand, which was a great move. So not only do we got Rollins selling the knee, then Rollins goes and stomps. He doesn't do the stomp stomp, but he stomps on Styles' hands. He cannot do the Styles clash effectively or apply the calf crusher effectively with a disabled hand. So that was a nice move by Styles. Styles hit the pale kick anyway in an attempt to break free, and he hit a pedigree. Styles hit a pedigree for a near fall. Styles went back to the apron. He was measuring for the phenomenal forearm. Rollins took it to Styles with a super kick. He attempted the stomp. His knee gave out. He buckled under the pressure and collapsed. Styles went for another calf crusher. Rollins reverses this and hits a pedigree. And following the pedigree, he slaps his knee. He does what he needs to do. He withstands the pain, quote-unquote, and he hits the stomp to win the World Heavyweight Championship. And Rollins is now the man on Monday Night Raw. After the match, Triple H entered the ring. He handed Seth Rollins the World Heavyweight Championship, put the title around his waist, held up his hand, and they gave Rollins a nice little moment here to embrace the crowd, to let the moment breathe. He was on the top rope. He got fireworks. They followed him out to the ramp. He held the title up. They gave him enough time to celebrate this victory, and WWE gave the moment enough moment or enough time to let it feel like it was important. And that's the most important thing, the most important takeaway from this match. They let Rollins have his moment. If this was an AEW title match, they would have went right to the fucking next match and they wouldn't have let anything breathe. That's something that AEW really needs to hone in on and correct. They do not let moments like this breathe on their television program or on their pay-per-views. They just rush, rush, rush onto the next segment or onto the next match. This was a great match. This will go down as one of the best WWE matches all year. And Seth Rollins is the guy. How many times have I told you guys about Seth Rollins? Seth Rollins, at one point, I couldn't stand, but it was not his fault. It was WWE making him into a sniveling pussy babyface. That's what I did not like. Then they did the whole Fiend thing, and he was gone. He was gone at that point, and they just ruined Seth Rollins and everything that he worked so hard to really build up in 2017. It was awful. What an awful fucking run for Seth Rollins. Changed my perception of him so badly the way that they handled him creatively. 
He went through trials and tribulations, up and down, gimmick changes, persona changes, theme music changes. It it almost felt like he could not find something that was going to be able to stick. But he found it. He found it, and he's got it now. For the last two years, Seth Rollins has been the most selfless man in the entire company. In an industry where people are fucking selfish and they refuse to put other people over, where it's got to be about me, 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 I want, I want, I want, and nobody is wanting to take a loss because they feel like it's got to be, you know, them going over all the time and it's too damaging to them and nobody wants to help anybody else get over. That has not been Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins has been the most selfless man in the entire fucking company. This man has had to put others before he puts himself. Cody Rhodes came from AEW as an EVP to join WWE, and Cody Rhodes beat Seth Rollins not once, not twice, but three times. Seth Rollins agreed to put Cody over because everybody in the company thought that Cody was going to be the guy. On the third time inside Hell in a Cell, he put Cody over with Cody having a legitimate torn pectoral muscle completely torn off the bone. On what planet would you see anybody else even want to go and do that for somebody? Seth Rollins did that for Cody because Seth Rollins realized He knows how good he is. His time is eventually going to come, and he just believed in himself. And now you see where all of that selflessness got him. It may be looked at as a second-place prize. It may be looked at as a consolation prize by the majority of the IWC on social media, and I'm going to think that way because I do think that WWE could have avoided all this. They didn't need to create another world championship. They could have easily had Cody win the world championship at WrestleMania and split the current titles that they have via the draft. If they wanted to retire the universal title, they could have certainly done that and create this new championship and give that title back to SmackDown. They didn't do that. But we are where we are right now, and we have... Seth Rollins holding the de facto third world championship in the company because WWE has yet to unify the world championships that Roman Reigns is holding right now. But one thing remains, no matter how you feel and no matter how the IWC feels about the world heavyweight championship, Seth Rollins is going to go out there and prove a fucking point every single time. He doesn't look at it as a consolation prize. He doesn't. Seth Rollins looks at that as the fucking grand prize for all of his hard work, and he rightfully deserves this moment and opportunity. And he is not going to look at it any other way but that. And he deserves it. And good for him. Good for him. This was a very good match. I enjoyed what they did together, and... It remains to be seen what Seth Rollins is going to do, man. Like I said, it's going to be the workhorse championship in WWE for the world title. Where Roman's title is more around story and centered around story. Seth Rollins, hopefully they have some story going into what they're doing there. But primarily, he is going to make it a workhorse championship. Because Rollins, a lot of people have put Rollins in discussion as one of the best in the world. And you are correct. And now with this title... He feels even more so to prove every single one of those doubters wrong again. 
And that world title is going to take him to that level. Very much excited to see what he does with the world championship on Monday Night Raw. And it's going to be a different, I don't know, Monday Night Raw has been terrible lately. I don't know if Rollins and the world championship is going to drastically change anything that's going on over there. But now we have a major world title in the main event of Monday Night Raw where we don't have to look at a secondary title like we were looking at with the United States title in the main event of Monday Night Raw. So it's going to drastically change how we see the main event on Monday night. Now it's up to WWE to creatively get us to a point where it's interesting as well. Trish Stratus. She went one-on-one with Becky Lynch. This feud has been awful. Everything about this feud has been awful. I still question why Trish Stratus is even on TV. She's not a believable heel. I don't want to look at a heel Trish. I don't want to boo Trish Stratus. And WWE is trying so hard to get people to boo Trish Stratus and believe Trish Stratus is a heel that they have overdubbed boos and artificial crowd noise in every Trish Stratus segment because people just don't believe in Trish Stratus as a heel. Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch is Becky Lynch, man. Great pro wrestler is Becky Lynch. I have nothing but good things to say about how Becky Lynch handles herself in the ring. As far as the character is concerned, some weeks she has it, some weeks she doesn't. Some weeks she comes out as the man. Some weeks she comes out as big-time Bex. I, I, I don't know which version of Becky Lynch we're going to get from a week-to-week basis, especially with Vince McMahon being back in charge and his shadow looming over creative. I said this going into WrestleMania. Trish Stratus being on TV is a Vince McMahon move because I said it then, and I'm going to reiterate you guys now in case you're new around here. Trish Stratus and Lita showing up on the road to WrestleMania, wrestling at WrestleMania was a Vince McMahon move because what Triple H did going into the Royal Rumble, if you look at the landscape of the Royal Rumble, there was maybe one, maybe two legends. Molly Holly, I think, was in the Royal Rumble, and Michelle McCool was in the Royal Rumble. 28 other women in that Royal Rumble were either current or upcoming main roster stars, meaning NXT stars. And returning talent that Triple H brought back in to bolster the depth issue of the women's division. I feel like Triple H wanted to go with current stars. And I don't think that Triple H had Hall of Famers in mind for what was going to happen at WrestleMania. I feel like an executive decision was made. I feel like Vince made the call for Trish and lead it to be there because Trish and Lita taking TV time away from the people that Triple H wants to push on WWE TV, it really didn't sit well with me. It didn't really fit the narrative that we've seen from Triple H and all the youth and the current stars that he was really kind of trying to hone on the main roster. Yet we still have Trish on TV. You thought that WrestleMania was going to be it. All right, she's here for WrestleMania season. Okay, Then all of a sudden, Becky and Lita win the fucking tag team titles. What's going on here? Why? Then we see Trish turn on Lita. Why? Or not Lita, Trish turn on uh, Becky. Why? She turned on Lita as well, which forced Trish to team with Becky. And then Trish was the reason why Becky lost the tag team titles. Why? Who asked for a Becky versus Trish Stratus feud? Nobody. Nobody in 2023. 
The feuds have been terrible. The dialogue has been terrible. And it's not believable. I feel like WWE is merely doing it because they don't want Becky Lynch to do much of anything else with anybody lower than Becky Lynch. They got to give Becky Lynch something of equal importance if she's not wrestling for a world championship, which is fucking ridiculous. Becky Lynch has had her moment in the sun. Becky Lynch should be working with younger talent. Becky Lynch should be working with younger talent and putting younger talent over. Becky Lynch should be in a supporting role now as the tides change in WWE. Otherwise, people are going to look at the WWE women's division, see the same old fucking boring faces at the top, and then you're going to ask, has anything really changed in this company? These are the same people that ask, well, why did Mercedes go wrestle for New Japan? Why is Trinity in impact? Because they've realized that they can make just as much, if not more money, doing their own thing, number one, because that's an important factor in everything. And nothing has really changed for them to sway their decision to come back to the WWE. It's the same fucking shit every single week, every single month with the same boring, stale, and bland faces at the top of the fucking pecking order. It should be drastically different. And we may have gotten a glimpse of that tonight with Zoe Stark, who came out of nowhere and now has aligned herself with Trish Stratus. She basically said, thank you, Trish. And I love what happened here. Now, the match itself, I was expecting fucking awful. I really was. I was expecting this to go downhill fast. I was expecting a botch fest. I was expecting sloppiness. I was expecting fucking sitting there like this, sleeping while the match was in progress, waiting for it to be over. But I thought what these ladies did was actually pretty fucking decent. I do. I thought Becky and Trish showed up to work tonight. I think they boarded that plane, took the 18-hour flight to Riyadh, and they showed up to fucking work. And that's exactly what they did. This was not as offensive as I was expecting it to be. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't completely fucking botch-free. There was a sloppy part here and there. But I thought this was the best that Trish Stratus has looked since being in the ring for at least the current, the, the present time that she's been with the WWE. I thought she looked better here with Becky than she looked with Charlotte four years ago. And I mean that. Not to take anything away from Charlotte because Charlotte's a very good professional wrestler, but I thought that Trish looked better here with Becky than she looked with Charlotte at SummerSlam four years ago. So, Stratus is in control early. She shoved Becky Lynch into the steel steps early. She gained control. She used the middle rope to choke Becky. She hit a kind of eh-looking DDT, tornado DDT. Stratus hit a neck breaker for a near fall on Becky. She goes after Becky with some chops. Becky starts firing back with some chops of her own. She starts to make a comeback. She hits an exploder on Trish in the corner. Lynch hits Stratus with a baseball slide to the floor. Stratus managed to post Becky Lynch in the turnbuckle. And then both women go back into the ring. She hits a spine buster on Becky. Stratus attempted Stratus faction, but Lynch cut her off and hit diamond dust off the top rope, followed by a second rope leg drop. She goes for a cover, gets a two count on Trish. Trish then crotched Becky Lynch as she went back up for the top rope. 
And Lynch grabbed Stratus by the legs, stepped back into the ring, pulled Trish off the top rope, and applied a Boston Crab. Stratus escaped to the outside and cut off Becky as she re-entered the ring. Stratus then hits the chick kick, which looked great, on Becky. Right as Becky was entering the ring, she goes for cover on Becky, gets her near fall. Stratus was then taunting Lynch long enough for Becky to allow, uh, to uh, get a disarmor. So she locked in the disarmor on Trish. Becky then hit the manhandle slam, but this is where things got sloppy. So from the disarmor spot into the manhandle slam, it looked like they were kind of fumbling over each other here and didn't know where their positioning should have been. And Becky hit the manhandle slam right by the rope. Both ended up eventually on the outside. This is where Lynch threw Stratus back into the ring. All of a sudden, out from underneath the ring comes Zoe Stark, who was hiding underneath the ring during the entire match. She emerged. The referee is distracted by Trish. She attacked Becky, and she hits her go-to-sleep, the GTS that she calls the Z360, and Stark threw Lynch back in the ring, Stratus hit a very nice-looking Stratus faction for the one, two, three. Zoe Stark has now aligned herself with Trish Stratus, and it seems like they are now forming some sort of alliance on Monday Night Raw. Sounds a lot better than fucking Zoe Stark doing nothing with Candice LeRae and Nikki Cross. I love this. I love this, not because of how it kind of changes the dynamic of the feud, but it injects some youth into the Becky and Trish storyline. Now, we don't know why Zoe is aligned with Trish. Hopefully, we get some sort of fucking explanation on Monday. I hope to God we get some sort of explanation on Monday because WWE has had a tendency to not give us any sort of explanation. For anything that they're doing. A lot of what happens on WWE does not come with a reason. Why is the most important question that you need to answer when it comes to writing a story? Why is this happening? Why is this person doing that? Why is this person doing this? Why did Zoe Stark align with Trish Stratus and all of a sudden target Becky Lynch? Zoe Stark did say not too long ago that she's here for titles And she's here to mark all of your favorites and take what is rightfully hers. What better way than to start right at the fucking top of the mountain than Becky Lynch? So hopefully we do get some sort of explanation. Zoe Stark is very high on the list of things that WWE wants to make a priority. Especially with her coming from NXT where Shawn Michaels loved her, William Regal loved her, Matt Bloom loved, everybody loved Zoe Stark. From the the first day that I saw Zoe Stark, she was given a rocket pack on NXT. And now it's happening on Monday Night Raw. You see it. So the fact that she's here and she's getting some rub from Becky Lynch sounds a lot better than feuding with Nikki Cross. Sounds a lot better than having two-minute matches with Candice LeRae that will go nowhere. This will get Zoe Stark the attention that she needs. This will get Zoe Stark the heat that she needs, hopefully. Now, Trish isn't the best talker, and neither is Zoe Stark, 
So hopefully somewhere in there they have some sort of explanation and Zoe Stark can make it all come together and explain to us why she attacked Becky Lynch because that's where it's going to really sting in the promo. And Zoe Stark versus Becky Lynch, Zoe Stark is a very good professional wrestler. She wrestles like a fucking man. She wrestles like a woman should. She's not in there going and wrestling all fluff, and she's not wrestling with fucking flailing hands and worrying about her hair extensions and worrying about a fucking eyelash falling off. She's going in there, and she's going to kick your fucking ass. That's what I want out of my women's wrestling. And the fact that she wrestles like that, mixing up with Becky Lynch, you guys, we are going to be in for a treat when they eventually get in the ring. That's what Becky Lynch needs to do. That's what Becky Lynch's, I would say, status on Monday Night Raw should be. Helping mold the younger talent. And now this also opens up, because I don't know where WWE was going with all this, what the end goal was for Becky and Trish, and what happens when Becky vanquishes Trish. I'm assuming they're going to have to tie up the loose ends here with Lita. I'm assuming, right? Lita's not going to just take an attack by Trish Stratus and just say, all right, fuck off, I'm gone. You're going to have to tie up that loose end eventually. Instead of giving us, because Becky lost tonight, instead of giving us three matches, who wants to see three matches with Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus? I know I don't. I know you guys don't. Who wants to see all these months of storyline going into SummerSlam with Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus? I know you guys don't. I know I don't. How about we get another match, and how about we get Lita, right? We get one more singles match out of it. And then at SummerSlam, we get the finale, which would be Lita coming back, teaming with Becky against Trish and Zoe Stark. And Becky can get her win or whoever you want to get their revenge on Trish Stratus at SummerSlam. Meanwhile, from there, Zoe can continue her feud with Becky Lynch, she's going to need something to do and Zoe could get the one up on Becky and then Zoe can be catapulted into a main event spot where she could eventually challenge for the Raw Women's Championship depending on who the champion is depending on what they do with the championship Zoe versus Asuka also sounds like a damn good match if you ask me that's the type of shit that I want to see that's the type of woman that I want to see in the ring with Zoe Stark Asuka Take my money. Take my money. So I'm giving you guys the building blocks here. This is what we need to do. We need to start building up talent. Now, if WWE actually took what they feel about Zoe Stark and applied that with half of the other fucking women in the division, we'd have a nice breed of women in the division that feel like they belong and feel over. And they would feel like we should invest our time in them. But WWE has always been a company of handpicking favorites. Zoe's going to be a handpicked favorite from management. I wish they felt that way about six or seven other fucking women. So we have other women that are equal or equivalent to a Zoe and a Becky and a Bianca and a Rhea. How much better would the division be if there were six people that felt like Becky Lynch instead of just the usuals, right? I love this. More of this with everybody else, but I'm looking forward to seeing what Zoe does with Becky. They aired a video on Mustafa Ali visiting all of the surrounding religious sites in Riyadh, and I thought that was great. 
And I'm thinking to myself, I'm looking at Mustafa Ali here, and I'm thinking back to the fucking gimmicks that they gave him positively and all this other shit. This is the Mustafa Ali that we need. Where is this Mustafa Ali? This is the Mustafa Ali that I love. This is the Mustafa Ali that I'm invested in. The real Mustafa Ali. Does WWE believe in Mustafa Ali? No, because they're trying everything to dumb this guy down and make him a comedy shtick. But this is the Mustafa Ali. The Mustafa Ali that you got tonight is the Ali that we need in WWE. Gunther. He is the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. No question. There's nobody better. He's not the longest reigning, but what he has done, I would go out there and say that Gunther is the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. This man is absolutely incredible. He is probably right now the best thing, in my honest opinion, this is me personally speaking to you, the best thing on WWE television. Everything he does is fucking brilliant. I love it. Now, I was hoping that they gave these guys more than 10 minutes, and they did. They did. I thought this was a very good intercontinental title match. Predictable, but a very good intercontinental championship match for Gunther and Ali. We got the Imperium guys out there introducing Gunther and Marcel Bartel or uh, Ludwig Kaiser, as they call him, on the main roster. Ladies and gentlemen. I can't do the rest of it. I can't pronunciate ring general like he does. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's my guy Ludwig Kaiser on the main roster. He got a great entrance. Love Ludwig and the way he introduces Gunther. This match was good. Not on the level of everything else Gunther's done, but it was a good match. And they gave Ali some, some moments where they tried to make the crowd believe that he could have stolen the Intercontinental title tonight. So, Ali, he connected with some drop kicks early. Gunther quickly cut him off. Gunther hit a huge chop on Ali, and then he followed with another huge chop. Gunther applied a Boston Crab. Gunther cut off Ali with a kick, sent Ali to the floor. Gunther fucking tossed Ali into the ring post, and all you heard was splat of Ali's body hitting the LED post. There's one thing that Ali does better than anybody in the company. It's selling, man. He makes everybody look so fucking good. He does. And that's the one thing I take away every time I watch Mustafa Ali wrestle. When is someone going to take what Ali does, and do the same thing for Ali. When is someone going to make Ali look good? That's what I want to know. I'm waiting for WWE Creative to make Ali look good. BMF, get BMF out of the chat. Get BMF, Hooligram, get BMF out of the chat. Gunther is boring as hell. This guy clearly is a fucking geek. Get him out. Get him out. I don't stand for such stupidity in my chat, man. I don't give a fuck. That, that's your opinion. That is your opinion. You come into my chat, and that is your opinion? Gunther is boring as hell. Okay. okay. Get him out. I I said this on Twitter, man. I, I, I do not, do not, do not want to engage in the negativity. I don't. 
Get him out. BMF. Badass motherfucker, right? Get him out. Ridiculous. Anyway, Gunther posted Ali. All you heard was splat on the turnbuckle or on the LED post. Ali, back in the ring, cuts Gunther off. He climbed the top rope. Gunther immediately cut him off. Only for Ali to counter with a sunset flip bomb. Unbelievable power by Ali. Ali then hit a 450 splash. Michael Cole was selling this shit like it was the end of Gunther's reign. They had to do something and sell it, right? Nah. Nah. Gunther kicks out. Gunther fired back with a fucking devastating lariat. And he regained control. Ali hit a super kick. He's still making that baby face fight to Gunther. He went to the top rope. Gunther dodged as Ali rolls off the top rope. I don't know what he was going for, but Ali rolled through. He turns right around, does Ali. And Gunther hit the most devastating shotgun drop kick I think he's hit in his entire reign. He legitimately knocked the fucking soul out of Ali's chest. Right after that, it was all over. Big power bomb folded him up like a fucking burrito. One, two, three, and Gunther retains the title. That was it. Decent little match. And Gunther retains. Predictable, but Ali got it. And I'm glad. Listen, man, you got to take the small victories where they where they come. Ali, every this match could have went 90 seconds. This man could have been nattied tonight. He really could have. But he got 10 minutes, and he got some fight. And this is the Ali that I want to see. Fuck this new gimmick, this positivity gimmick that he's got. Nobody wants to see that. This is the Ali that we need. This is the Ali that we want. And Michael Colt said something on commentary tonight that I found very surprising that I had to look up because I didn't think, I'm like, this man never held a championship in WWE. I I thought that he might have held a cruiserweight title. But Michael Cole said that Ali has never held a championship in WWE. We got to change that. I'm not saying give him the world title. I'm not saying have him beat Gunther. But Ali would make a great representative for the United States Championship or something along those lines. The fact that he never won a championship in WWE, that's it's kind of bizarre, man. It's kind of sad. So I was actually shocked by that statistic that Michael Cole threw out there. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, they had a backstage segment, and Zayn brought up that this could be the end of their reign this evening. Noting that Reigns has been champion for nearly 1,000 days, Owens said they defeated the Usos, which is more of a team than Reigns and Solo could ever be. Owens says it was their day. Solo loses today. Reigns loses today. So that was the backstage segment for Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens tonight. Yeah, we're going to start calling, uh, you know, burials nattied. This guy got nattied tonight. We'll get there. We'll get there. I don't know where I got sick from, man. If you guys hear me sniffling, I apologize. It doesn't sound good listening to the audio form, I know. I know. Uh, And I'm too lazy to mute my fucking, uh, my mix board here. So it is what it is. I'm sorry that if I uh, sound ill or under the weather or sniffly or nasally, sorry. But that's not going to stop me from having a fucking beautiful cheeseburger and a nice cold beverage or uh, two. I got to be good. I got to be good. Oscar 
Asuka, Bianca Belair, Raw Women's Championship. This was a decent match. It wasn't the greatest women's championship match that I've ever seen. But it's a nice string of matches that Bianca has gone out there and she's wrestled very good. Asuka is excellent. I think both of these women are great. I do. The storyline, not so much. I thought the storyline was fucking lame as hell. I thought this shit was awful. The storyline basically came about two weeks ago. A storyline is, is a bit of a stretch. Not really a storyline. It's more of uh, desperation because WWE needed a championship match and there was nobody else on SmackDown that would be deemed worthy enough to be in the ring with Bianca Belair because the only other woman worth anything on SmackDown currently that's on TV is either EO or Bayley. And right now they're feuding for the tag team titles and they are on the verge of maybe splitting up damage control. So that leaves Asuka the only other woman by default. Where's Charlotte? I don't know. But WWE's not going to give you Charlotte versus Bianca Belair in two weeks. Or maybe they will. And they're not going to do it at Night of Champions. So Asuka was the only choice, which pisses me off because WWE just got done with the draft. WWE had Asuka and Bianca Belair on Raw before WrestleMania. That was the Raw women's title match at WrestleMania. They got both moved over to SmackDown, and this is still happening post the WWE draft. So I love to ask, I want WWE or somebody in the company to ask, you guys said the foundation of the company was going to change. How is the foundation changing when we're seeing rematches that we saw before the draft, after the draft? I don't know. Does anybody ask these valuable and important questions in creative? I don't get it. This is why we need a merging of the divisions and a merging of the titles. This wouldn't be if Bianca had a whole division to pick from. The Raw and Women, the Raw, the Raw and SmackDown Women's Division needs to be won with one championship. And let's get rid of the tag team titles. Burn them. Give them to me. I love to do what I would love to do with them, man. Really. I'd take a fucking piss on the goddamn titles and I'd burn them until there's nothing more than ashes. Get rid of the tag team titles and make a secondary title for the women's division. Let's create an intercontinental title for the women. How many times have I said this? Months. And WWE does nothing to rectify it. Nothing. This was a very good match. Was it great? No. Was it boring in some parts? Sure. Was the crowd kind of quiet for this match compared to other things on the show? Yes. But this was still a solid match with a very good outcome and ending. Nice back and forth here between Asuka and Bianca. Asuka got heat by sending Bianca Bella into the steps. She used her braid as well to take advantage of Bianca, throwing her around by the hair, which I wish a lot more people would do because it's right there waiting for you. It's basically saying, hello, grab me and fucking take advantage of me. Seriously. Which I know a lot of you guys would love to do with Bianca, but get your mind out of the gutter, please. Asuka locked in an armbar. Bianca went for a suplex. Asuka turned it into a cradle near fall. Belair, she started to come back a little bit, build some momentum for herself, drop kick, suplex. 
Asuka cut her off with a drop kick of her own off the top rope. Goes for a cover, gets a near fall. Asuka, she went for the Asuka lock. Belair reversed the Asuka lock. They traded near falls. Asuka connected with a running kick to put an end to that. So we get Asuka and Bianca brawling into the corner. Belair dodged a missed attempt by Asuka. So Asuka tried to cheat. So it barely grazed Bianca to a point where she felt it, but she didn't get any honor. So Asuka tried the mist, and it didn't work, but Bianca realized what Asuka was trying to do. Asuka countered Belair by going for another Asuka lock. Belair powered out, powerbombed Asuka. Both ladies are on the apron. Asuka appeared, or no, Asuka was on the apron, rather. Belair was in the ring. Asuka, she shoots another dose of mist on the apron behind the referee's back. Jessica Carr is the referee here. She was attending to Bianca Belair at this point. Asuka... Spits another round of mist onto her hand. So now it's blue mist dripping from her mouth and blue mist all over her hands. This is supposed to be poisonous material or whatever it is. I don't know what the substance actually is, but Asuka now has blue all over her hands. Wet. Her hands are wet with blue. So Asuka is now up in the KOD. Bianca grabs Asuka from the apron, puts her in the KOD, looks to end the match. Asuka escapes the KOD by raking Bianca in the eyes with the blue mist and the blue substance all over her face. Bianca Belair now blinded. She connects with a massive strong style kick to the head and Bianca goes down like a ton of bricks. One, two, three, And Bianca Belair's title reign is over. Asuka is now a four-time, I believe, a four-time Raw Women's Champion. Some people were upset that this match ended the way that it did because you're all thinking about the title reign of Bianca Belair. That's the way you end the monumental title reign. Listen, man, I don't care how it ended. It needed to end. It needed to end. Would I have preferred WWE to give Asuka the clean victory at WrestleMania and end it there? Sure. I thought that was the right way to go about it. But WWE is all about rewriting record books and altering records and updating with current stars, their old records. If they let Bianca lose at WrestleMania, then WWE couldn't regurgitate the narrative of longest reigning women's champion of all time. Couldn't do it. So they opted for Bianca to win at WrestleMania, get this title reign through Backlash, all the way through Night of Champions, and that's what they wanted. So now Bianca has her record, and now she could drop the drop the title safely to Asuka, and now Asuka is the Raw Women's Champion. Now we still are in a conundrum. We are still operating with the Raw title on SmackDown. Like I said in the beginning, This is a little bit more easy for WWE to go out there and do because Asuka is a lot more expendable to the company to switch brands than Bianca Belair. It would have been easy for Bianca Belair to be traded over to Monday Night Raw for Rhea Ripley to come back over to SmackDown and have both championships back on their appropriate brands. But WWE does not want that. WWE wants Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair on the same show 
And that is the money match in the division right now. That is a match in the women's division that is going to main event a WrestleMania on night one, maybe next year or at WrestleMania 41, depending on when WWE wants to do it. Unless we get Charlotte and Bianca, which we know Charlotte's going to be lobbying to main event a WrestleMania because she feels she got gypped out of this year's WrestleMania. But Rhea and Bianca, to me, is the much more intriguing match instead of Bianca and Charlotte. That's the way I see it. They want Rhea and Bianca on the same brand. This frees up Bianca to be SmackDown. Rhea can now be transferred over to SmackDown with Asuka going over to Raw, and that's easy as pie right there. WWE could have easily avoided all this by not drafting the fucking titles to the opposite show, but WWE likes to make their life difficult for the sake of making their life difficult. This could have all been avoided. And we've discussed this, how they could have avoided all this. I mean, they didn't have to draft the champions They didn't have to have Bianca win at WrestleMania. I mean, it would have been just so simple to just keep things the way that they were. But WWE wanted to go and convolute everything, and we are where we are right now. But they do eventually have to come up with an explanation as to why the SmackDown title is on Monday night and the Monday night title is on Friday. They need to do something. Whether that happens now, going into Money in the Bank, or going into SummerSlam, I don't know. A unification match would be ideal. Asuka versus Rhea Ripley, I'd take that. Unify the fucking titles, unify the divisions, and boom, we are off and running. But I don't see that being the case. A transfer of the titles going back and forth would be the ideal situation, as long as we're not trading fucking titles, and Rhea stays on Raw with the Raw title because she's handed the Raw title from Asuka, and Asuka is the SmackDown champion because she was handed the title from Rhea Ripley. Like we're trading fucking grandma's recipes. Give me a fucking break. A transfer is a lot more digestible than trading titles like they're fucking baseball cards. So hopefully WWE does give us an explanation as to why these championships are on opposite shows and rectifies that problem. Rhea Ripley. Speaking of which, she wrestled Natalya. It was Natalia's birthday. Natalia is celebrating her day of birth in Saudi Arabia with WWE. This match went 90 seconds, if that, maybe. Maybe. I don't really even know the time. Uh, Tyler Sneed, you can suck my cock, bro. This man wants to unify every title possible. Jesus Christ. Why don't you get the fuck out of my chat? This man wants to unify every titles. Yeah, bitch. I want to unify all the titles. Do you want to know why, Tyler Sneed? Now you piss me the fuck off, Tyler Sneed. I just told everybody I wasn't going to engage in the negativity. So now we're going to make Tyler Sneed look like a fucking idiot. Okay, Tyler Sneed, here we go. Tyler Sneed, do you realize that when you have... All these championships in the company. WWE's got two sets of tag team titles in the women's division. One from NXT and one on the main roster roaming around on Monday and Friday night. Have you asked yourself why? 
Did we get the explanation as to why that is? WWE could have avoided that decision, but they did not. They should unify the titles because when you have two sets of women's tag team titles with the amount of women that WWE features on a weekly basis in that division weekly, it makes the titles look like shits. Are they prestigious? No, they're not. The more titles you have, the less prestige that the titles hold. Same thing goes for the Raw and SmackDown women's titles. We don't need two women's titles with the amount of depth in the division that they have now. One title is all you need. One title would make the entire division feel whole. One title would make the title feel prestigious. One title would give the woman challenging the champion that much more prestige over everything else. Same thing with the men's tag team titles. Do you think that there's enough depth in the men's tag team division to have two separate divisions with the teams that that they feature weekly on TV? Tyler Sneed, huh? The more titles that we have, the less prestigious they will be. This is why everybody's claiming that the new world heavyweight title is a second place prize, Tyler Sneed, because it's not looked at as on the same level as Roman's titles. WWE could have easily avoided all this by having Cody win the fucking match at WrestleMania and split the existing titles into Raw and SmackDown instead of creating a third world championship. Tyler Sneed, when you want to come into my fucking chat and question me on what I do, maybe you should realize who the fuck you think you're talking to, motherfucker. I'm not some fucking geek who fucking sits here and talks pro wrestling for a living without knowing his shit. Get the fuck out. There you go. Any more fucking questions for the class? Tyler Sneed? Jay Gregory, don't start with me, bro. Oh, now he says... Cody beating Roman was a good idea. Nobody expected Cody to feel like a fucking geek as bad as he does now, right? Did you expect to get what you're getting now? Garbage? I'll take Cody beating Roman if it prevented us from getting where we are now. Don't fuck with me. Don't. Everything that I say... There is a solid explanation behind it. Always. Always. You will never win a battle with me. Ever. And I will always admit when I'm wrong. I've said this shit since 2016. I am not wrong on it. I will gladly plant my cap on that flag every single time. So when you say, Oh, this man wants to unify all the titles. (laughs) Yeah, I do. Because the titles right now outside of the IC title and the world titles held by Roman mean shit. Moving on. Where was I? Uh, Yeah, Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley beats Natty in 90 seconds. 
If that, I don't even know if that was the actual time of the match. Let me see if I can find the actual time of the match. What was the time of the match? Um, let's see. Uh, let's see what's going on here. Let me see. I want to see if I can find, actually, uh, the time of tonight's SmackDown Women's Championship. This match went one minute. One minute. One minute and Natty got buried. We got Dominic standing on the ring apron, told Natalia she doesn't need to be here. She doesn't stand the chance. Natalia turned to him. Ripley attacked her. Ripley rammed Natalia's head into the announced desk early, threw her into the ringside steps, not once but twice, rolled her into the ring, delivered a riptide for the one, two, three, and that was it. That was it. Rhea Ripley even said, happy birthday, sweetheart, on the ring apron. Goodbye. Blew her a kiss. Must suck to be Natalia, man. She flew 18 hours to Saudi Arabia on her birthday to get buried. We will now call all burials from this point on someone getting nattied. Yeah. Goodbye. An absolute waste of my time. Nobody expected this match to be any other way but Rhea Ripley winning. I didn't think they were going to give us one minute, but fantastic. The less I have to see of a nothing match, the happier JD is. There you go. And Rhea Ripley is dominating, and she deserves to be dominating, so why the fuck not? Rhea Ripley wins in one minute. Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes... This was the second of the big triple main event that WWE had this evening. I may anger some people with what I say here, and I don't really give a shit. But I want to preface this by saying I love Cody Rhodes. I do. I don't blame Cody Rhodes for this. I don't. If there's a story that comes out here in the weeks following or in the months following or at some point in the future where Cody had a say in how he was booked in this particular feud with Brock Lesnar, maybe we'll address it then. But I'm not blaming Cody Rhodes right now. I'm not. I want to say, and some of you may be new around here. Some of you may be new around here, okay? I was one of the most vocal influencers in the community that advocated for Cody to lose at WrestleMania. I said that he needed adversity. The type of of adversity that I wanted from WWE in, in relation to Cody was not him the way we saw him tonight, not some super Cena, superhero, Captain America, fucking childish cartoon adversity. That's not what I asked for. I asked for adversity in the way that we saw Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, fight adversity, fighting through the corporation, fighting through Triple H and Stephen McMahon, calling him a B-plus player. Two different types of adversity. One is real life. One is relatable. One is adult-like. The other is nothing more than a Saturday morning cartoon. 
guess which one Cody Rhodes is becoming? He's becoming the Saturday morning cartoon. Because that's what Vince McMahon thinks of his baby faces. That's how Vince McMahon wants to book his baby faces. Vince McMahon has Hulk Hogan and John Cena. And he was doing the same thing with Roman Reigns. He's doing the same thing with Cody. I don't know how you don't see that. Vince McMahon is giving Cody Rhodes the babyface Roman Reigns treatment. And before long, sooner rather than later, sooner than you think, Cody Rhodes is is going to become one of the most nauseating babyfaces in all of pro wrestling. You may think this is some adversity. You may think that this is the adversity that I asked for. I didn't ask for this shit. I didn't ask for some cartoon fucking fabricated nonsense, some circus-like illogical bullshit as far as Cody Rhodes is concerned. I asked for adversity in the form of Daniel Bryan. But we're not getting that. We're not getting that. We're getting super Cody. We're getting Captain America Cody who stands for good and is a fucking idiot who goes against his better judgment because he thinks he's the hero and he needs to make everybody happy and he needs to show everybody that he's the fighting from behind hero underdog. Meanwhile, that's not what they did with Daniel Bryan. They did the underdog thing, but my God, how much more relatable was Daniel Bryan compared to what Cody Rhodes is doing? It's not even on the same planet. It's not even in the same realm. What WWE did with Cody Rhodes tonight was one of the most outlandish, was one of the most childish, was one of the most ridiculous things I have seen in the modern era of baby faces in this company, in all of pro wrestling. I would go out as far as to say, we never even came close to this baby face in AEW. This baby face is a lost... Baby faces and proper baby faces are a lost art in WWE. In all of pro wrestling. There's only a few people that WWE has ever really made into a true baby face. And I'm talking about recently. Daniel Bryan... And the only other name in WWE that even came close to duplicating what Daniel Bryan did was honestly Johnny Gargano in NXT. WWE or AEW has never even come close to replicating what those two babyface storylines, those two babyface arcs did. You think what they're doing with Cody Rhodes now is on the same fucking level of a Johnny Gargano and a Daniel Bryan? You have to be fucking kidding me. This shit, and I understand WWE is targeting children. I understand that they're probably selling fucking vaults of t-shirts with Cody Rhodes, American Nightmare tattoo on the shirt, and American Nightmare this an American nightmare that I get it, that they're looking to aim that demographic at the children and the children don't care and the children need a fucking hero to look up to. I'm not here for the fucking children. I don't give a shit. The children are a small demographic. You got other people 
looking at this shit, that are looking at this shit, scratching their fucking head as to how this company can send this man out there with a broken arm, number one. Who the fuck cleared him with a broken arm? A kayfabe broken arm. They cleared this man with a broken arm to wrestle not any ordinary man. They wrestled. Kofi Kingston's not on the same level as Daniel Bryan and Johnny Gargano. I'm sorry. Get that shit out of here. That storyline was not even close to what Brian and Johnny Gargano did. No fucking way. Not even in the same realm as this. I'll take Kofi over. I'll take Kofi over Cody. But no. They tried. They tried, but it was none. I I don't get how you're an adult male or female looking at this shit. And he's in there against somebody that's not a normal human being. And oh my God. It's pro wrestling. What do you want from pro wrestling? Why don't you suspend your belief? Why does everything got to be so serious? This man is out there with a broken arm against Brock Lesnar. You don't think that Brock Lesnar could shoot this man up and spit him out in about 90 seconds with one fucking arm? Are you serious? This shit was awful. Everything about this was terrible. This man's out there with a fucking cast on his arm. He's got a broken arm. He should not be able to move his arm in any other direction but how I'm holding my arm now. This man's bending his arm. This man's throwing punches. This man's suicide diving through tables on the outside with a fucking cast on his arm. Yet nobody questions how illogical and how stupid this shit looks. On pay-per-view. Then Brock Lesnar puts him in a Kimura lock. Brock Lesnar puts him in a Kimura lock. And this man is in a Kimura lock with a broken fucking arm for about four minutes. And he doesn't tap out, doesn't give up. He's just in a Kimura lock. On any normal night, a Kimura lock with a broken arm applied to somebody with a broken arm, the referee would have immediately stopped the match. I mean, Lesnar wasn't like near the ropes and Cody didn't have a fucking chance to reach the ropes. Lesnar got this Kimura lock on in the dead center of the ring. Cody was a sitting duck. He was dead to rights. On any normal night, a referee, a proper referee would have stopped this match. And the pain threshold that Cody has, I mean, holy fucking shit, this man must be like a superhuman fucking cryogenic mutant. I mean, how are you withstanding that? I see some people arguing online, ha, 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 he he passed out. That's a logic in itself. WWE has one of the most basic submission moves applied to Cody Rhodes, and he passes out. People are comparing this to Stone Cold Steve Austin and Bret Hart at WrestleMania 13. I mean... If I have a broken arm, first of all, I don't even know want I don't even want to know how that feels. Secondly, I would assume, I don't know because I've never I never really felt what a broken arm feels like. I would assume that it's not all that pleasant. And that if you are in that dire amount of pain, that the fucking pain would cause you to pass out. I'm assuming, right? I'm assuming that that would just be common thinking. The pain that Lesnar, a 285-pound man, applying that type of pressure on a broken arm on somebody like Cody, he would automatically pass the fuck out due to fucking pain. He would be gone, right? 
This man is withstanding a Kamara lock. He gets up and delivers two crossroads to the fucking guy. What am I watching? What am I watching? This was more reminiscent of a circus than it was a match between Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar. Who asked for this? Who booked this? Who drew this out? Who thought all this was a good idea? WWE's grand plan is to take a kayfabe injury with Cody Rhodes and a broken arm and try and duplicate what he is or what he did with a a legitimate injury in the torn pack. They're trying to duplicate that and recreate that with a healthy Cody Rhodes with a kayfabe injury. And on the way there, every single step of the way, he's bending his arm and everything's just becoming a joke. Illogical. You can't compare this to what he did with the torn pack with Seth Rollins inside Hell in a Cell. That was heroic. That was just un- unnatural and unbelievable compared to everybody else before him. That's Cody Rhodes. This, this is a figment of Vince McMahon's imagination. This over-the-top baby face, old-school baby face is a ideology and a creation of Vince McMahon who's 75 years old and he's stuck in the fucking 80s. Vince McMahon is a 75-year-old man thinking about how he booked baby faces in the 80s in 2023 and we are given Cody Rhodes in that same vein. This is just ridiculous. At this point, I don't even want Cody to finish the fucking story because I'm already done. I'm donating the fucking book to Barnes & Noble by this point. I don't give a fuck. I don't want Cody to finish his story. I don't want Cody to wrestle Roman. And if he does, I hope Roman holds the title for another fucking two years. This is is the Cody that you're going to go and wrestle Roman Reigns and have Cody finish the story. By the time we get to WrestleMania, Cody is going to be dead to rights. Cody is going to be this, I swear to fucking God. You can quote me on this. Quote me on it. Cody going into a WrestleMania match with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 40 in Philadelphia. It will be like Roman is looking into a mirror image of his old self. Because you'll have Roman Reigns, the tribal chief, the head of the table, the universal heavyweight champion... Looking at Cody, who is basically a reflection of what Roman was before the Tribal Chief. That's what Vince McMahon is doing to Cody Rhodes. That is what he's doing. And by that account, he's already damaged Cody Rhodes beyond repair. I don't know how anybody looked at this shit and thought this was... A captivating match, a great match, storytelling, dramatic. Everything about it screamed childish Saturday morning drivel. Awful. Everything about this was awful. You've taken somebody who was so real in Cody Rhodes and you turned him into a fucking cartoon character. This is what he wanted? This is what you look at when you think of Cody Rhodes? Instead of building somebody else up who had the pedigree and the story just as good as what Brian went through when he battled the corporation going into WrestleMania 30, 
You basically had Cody Rhodes, who was the same fucking way that they had this man dead to rights. They thought nothing of him more than stardust to a point where he asked for his own release. He was granted his release. He went to go prove to everybody that it was a main event household name based off his family name. He wanted to remove himself from the shadow of his father, went on to the indies, became a fucking household name, started a rival company, became an EVP, came back to the fucking company that disowned him, and he wants to prove to Vince and everybody else that he's the guy now. That's the story. But you gave all that up. You gave all that up to sell a fake fucking arm injury and have this man walk out in front of Brock Lesnar looking like a fucking Saturday morning cartoon. That's what you deem good? That's what the majority of the IWC is content with. If that is you, get the fuck out of my sight. If that is you, I want nothing to do with you. Unfollow me. Fucking unsubscribe and mute me, block me on Twitter. I want nothing to do with you. This match fucking sucked in every sense of the word. I'm a 41-year-old man. I don't want to see this shit play off like some fucking bullshit childish cartoon in front of me. This is a man in Cody Rhodes who has every fucking gripe possible to come back to the company to prove them wrong, and he's got a broken kayfabe arm injury, and he's fucking no-selling the entire shit through an eight-minute match with Brock Lesnar. Most of the IWC, most of the IWC is okay with this because most of the IWC has the fucking IQ of a goddamn fucking cucumber. That's why. The fucking plate of pasta salad that you're going to be eating during your Memorial Day dinner tonight has a bigger IQ than most of the people in the IWC. This shit is inexcusable. And I'm going to tell you right now, I was the one who advocated for Cody Rhodes to lose at WrestleMania. If if you had a gun to my head and I had a crystal ball to see where we were going and this is what we got, I would have easily taken Cody Rhodes beating Roman Reigns at WrestleMania if it saved us from this fucking nauseating embarrassment that we got tonight with Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar. Maybe Cody Rhodes should have beaten Roman Reigns at WrestleMania after all. Because we would have already finished the story and we wouldn't have had to wait another 11 months. 11 months is the rumor. They're planning on waiting 11 months for Cody and Roman at WrestleMania. He's not going to get past another month before he's Super Cena and worse than Super Cena and worse than Babyface Reigns combined. Vince has got to go. Vince has got to go. If Triple H was in charge, I bet my life savings that this is not the Cody Rhodes that we would be given on TV. Every single dose of what you're getting is a Vince McMahon baby face fucking through and through. It's awful. What is he going to do now? We lost to Brock Lesnar. This man, he lost to Brock Lesnar. He lost to Brock Lesnar. Lesnar went for an F5. Cody at the crossroads. After all this Kamara lock bullshit, he's still hitting crossroads. Cody attacked Lesnar with the cast. Lesnar hit an F5. Lesnar attached to Kimura for a second time. 
Cody, on the second attempt of the Kimura, passed out. Passed out. What's going to happen with Cody now? Is he going to ask for another match because he had a broken arm? Is he going to go into Money in the Bank and valiantly try and win Money in the Bank with one arm only for Lesnar to attack him there and ruin his chances of finishing the story through Money in the Bank? What's going to happen? Because we're getting another match. We're absolutely getting another match. You think Cody Rhodes is going to end his feud with Brock Lesnar on one arm? SummerSlam is going to happen. Lesnar and Cody all over again for a third time. Now, could Cody win Money in the Bank? Sure. Sure. He could win Money in the Bank and still get Lesnar at SummerSlam. But I don't know where they're going with Cody Rhodes. And at this point, do I even want him in the ring with Roman Reigns? This is not the Cody I wanted in the ring with Roman Reigns. This is a Cody that is just emitting that baby face, typical WWE baby face that I do not desire to see on television. How they fucked this man up in one month is truly remarkable. Truly remarkable. Everything about this is fucking awful. This entire storyline is awful. And the best part is we still don't have a reason as to why Brock Lesnar is targeting Cody Rhodes. So much so that the IWC geeks are trying valiantly to come up with a reason and write the story for WWE, even though there is no story, because WWE doesn't even know what the story is. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. They defeated Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa to retain the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships. I thought this was a very good tag team match. I mean, it wasn't anything that we haven't seen before. I didn't think this was better than what Sammy and KO did with the Usos. But it was something that fit perfectly in the lineage of story here to continue the bloodline crumble. And the bloodline basically crumbling around Roman Reigns. Sami Zayn was incredibly over. In Saudi Arabia. He was incredibly over. He got a huge hometown baby face like reaction from everybody. So Reigns is basically kind of dodging Sammy and KO at the start of the match. He's talking shit to Sammy saying that he doesn't understand why he gave him as much time as he did. You owe me. You're in the main event because of me. You're as big as you are now because of me. He's talking shit to the fans. Solo gave a distraction to Reigns, and the bloodline took control. Reigns went for a Superman punch, but KO countered with a pop-up powerbomb early in the match, followed with a frog splash off the top rope. Another distraction by Solo allowed Reigns to hit the Superman punch. KO kicked out of the Superman punch. Reigns attempted a spear. KO hit the stunner. Reigns hit the ropes and hit a spear off the ropes. This was a great sequence because after the stunner was hit on Reigns, he kind of bounced off the second and bottom rope, bounced up and hit a spear on KO. That was a great looking spot. So Zayn and Solo tag back in. 
Zayn sends Solo to the outside, wipes out Sokoa with a huge dive out to the floor. Back in the ring, it's a blue thunder bomb for two. Zayn went for the Huluva kick, but Sokoa cut him off and went for the spike. Zayn countered, hit the Exploder, and then the super kick. Zayn went for the cover. Reigns barely broke it up. Reigns went for the spear. Zayn dodged, and instead of Reigns, you know, hitting Zayn, he hits the referee, and the referee is finished. Fatality. He's done. He gets hit with the spear. Zayn acted like he was going to hit the Superman punch, but Reigns hit one of his own instead on Sammy, taking Sammy out. Owens gets back in there. He attacks Reigns, setting him up on a table. When the Usos come in and attack Owens on the outside, throwing him over the announce table. They attack Sami Zayn, but in the process, they set up for a double super kick on Sami Zayn. Sami ducks, and the Usos knock out Solo Sokoa with a double super kick. The dramatic effect got turned up to 15 when Solo collapsed like a ton of bricks. He was out cold. Reigns sees this. He gets up. He gets in the ring. He starts absolutely berating Jimmy and Jay Uso for hitting Solo Sokoa. And he starts pie-facing Jimmy. Jay tries to get involved. He puts his hands on Roman. Roman gets angry at Jay. Why are you putting your hands on me? This is not day one anymore, he says. Jimmy, all of a sudden, super kicks Roman Reigns. Reigns goes down to a knee. Jay was upset in the same way he was upset when Sammy hit Roman at the Rumble. He was the same way tonight with Jimmy Uso. Why, 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 why did you do that? Jimmy looked at Jay, tells him he's doing what they should have done a long time ago and super kicked Reigns a second time. Reigns rolls to the outside. This left Solo Sokoa in the ring alone. By this point, Jimmy and Jay Uso left the ring. Solo is looking in the ring like, what happened? How did this happen? He turns around. Owen sits a stunner. Zayn connected with a haluva kick. A new referee ran down. Counted one, two, three. And Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens retain the Raw and SmackDown tag team titles. Tonight, Jimmy Uso was the tribal chief of the bloodline. He took things into his own hands, and he took out the head of the table. Now, Jimmy, if he didn't fuck up on Friday by calling himself the tribal chief since day one, Jimmy Uso has now done fucked up. And Roman Reigns is going to bring the house down on Friday Night SmackDown. Because on Friday, we're celebrating 1,000 days officially with Roman Reigns on Friday Night SmackDown. I don't know what they have planned, but I'm assuming he will address this situation on Friday and we will get the next stage of the storyline happening on SmackDown. But Jimmy, he did what everybody thought Jay was going to do. Jay didn't want to believe. Jay didn't want to believe Sammy. Jay did not want to see what was right in front of him. Now Jay sees if Jimmy did what he did and Jimmy sees and Jimmy, who was against Sammy, starts siding with Sammy and starts agreeing with what Sammy said, Jay is going to have no choice but to agree and follow along with his brother because that's two people that saw it. Jay did not. Now Jay's going to see it. So what does this mean for Solo? That's the bigger story. What does this mean for Solo? Is Solo going to see what his brothers see? 
is Solo going to be the one to leave Roman as well and end the reign of Roman Reigns while he joins his brother and the Usos are the ones to kill the bloodline and end Roman's reign. That's the only way this ends. Solo, the most trusted advisor and and basically the bodyguard, the most trusted soldier of Roman Reigns, he's going to be the one to put the dagger in Roman Reigns' back and end it all. That's what I see happening. I think this was great. Everything about this was great. And the storyline, again, has been carrying WWE throughout these months, months and months and months, and really been the only thing worth anything on WWE television coming out of WrestleMania. And they hit a home run with this tonight because now SmackDown on Friday becomes infinitely more intriguing and interesting. Anyway, guys, I am about to hit the Super Chats because we have Memorial Day to celebrate. And I want to get uh, the party started, man. But I appreciate you guys joining me on this Saturday afternoon, man. Thank you for making us. I'm assuming we were number one tonight, right? We had 3,800 people in here. I'm assuming we were number one tonight for this show. Thank you so very much. Appreciate you guys making us the place to be in the IWC when these shows come to an end, man, right here on Off The Script. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Make sure you guys go check out all the other videos on the channel. Everything you need is on the homepage. And we will be live on Sunday night with AEW Double or Nothing. We'll be here in the venue as always going over the show after it's over. It's going to be a long night. Continue to hit that thumbs up, guys. Thank you for the over 1,000 likes. We got 1,300 likes. Appreciate you guys very much. Get those Super Chats in. Get those memberships in. And tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. Seems like Roman may need some Blue Chew to keep things in order in the bloodline. I don't know. He needs that confidence. Right now, he's not looking too confident. Confidence can take you guys far in life, man. I got it. You got it. Everybody's got it. It could also help when it comes to the bedroom activities as well. Make sure you guys try some Blue Chew. It's a unique online service that provides the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets. And at a fraction of the cost, you guys can take them anytime, day or night. Plan ahead. Be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Blue Chew is basically your long-term booking. That's the way I describe it. Process is very simple, guys. You're going to sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their online medical providers, and once you are approved, you're going to receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. It ships directly to you, very discreetly, right to your home. And they're made in the USA, and they are prepared and shipped directly to you, like I said, very discreetly. So try Blue Chew on me for free. Use code JD for your first month free. All you guys have to do is pay the $5. 
shipping and handling. That's bluechew.com. And I want to thank them for once again sponsoring the podcast right here on Off the Scripts. Mendelfs Isma with 12 months. Thank you, brother. Wow, it's been 12 months already. Good to be back live with you, JD. By the way, I know you've seen Rhea Ripley rocking the JD tattoo. Judgment Day, I know. One love. Rhea Ripley knows that JD is number one, bro. Michelle Moran with a $5 super jack. Jimmy is the first to turn, not Jay. Jay will turn this Friday probably, but damn good main event. Was scared Vince would put the tag team belts on Roman. Talked about this last night. There was no way that Roman was going to have more titles that he doesn't defend on TV. It would have made no sense whatsoever for Roman Reigns to add more hardware to his collection. Zero Clark. One month. The worst part of the show is thank It was in Saudi Arabia. All the ladies had to wear jumpsuits. Where have you been, bro? That's what's been going on for the last four years with this WWE partnership. And by the way, the ladies did not look bad with their uh, attires, man. Becky looked great. Trish looked great. Bianca's attire looked great. Asuka's attire looked great. Who gives a shit? They made it work, and I appreciate that. Thank you for the one month, though, Clark. I appreciate you. Uh, Hurricane, 10 months. Roman saying, I'm going to be the tag team champions. Reminded me of when Kane and Daniel Bryan were yelling at each other, I am the tag team champions. Maybe only to you, Hurricane. I did not think Daniel Bryan and Kane at all. Johnny Cloud with 20 months. Four months. And I've got the golden mic. Keep up the good work, JD. Thank you, Johnny Cloud. 20 months is a long fucking time, brother. You deserve that golden microphone. Thank you for being here. Modern day role model with a new membership. Thank you, brother. Welcome to the OTS Beer Garden this summer. Easy with a five. Bloodline story was great. I'm glad Rollins got the title and glad Cody lost because it wouldn't have been believable if he would have won OTS for life. Yeah, I'm glad Cody lost as well. This whole storyline's making me want to see... uh, Cody just get his ass beat. Robert Jimenez with a $5. Jimmy Uso kicked the living hell out of Roman Reigns. I see the Usos versus Roman and Solo at Money in the Bank. Let's fucking go. I could see it. I could see it. Another way for WWE to prolong his title reign. But there was a rumor going around that he would be defending his titles at Money in the Bank and at SummerSlam. So we will see. For Zit with 199. Stratus Appreciation Society. Hashtag thank you, Trish. Hashtag SAS. Antonio Munez Jr. Six months. Hey, everyone just came in to ask for help with prayers for my father who has been hospitalized for cirrhosis liver and his kidney. Please send prayers. I'm sorry to hear that, Antonio. All of the OTS venue, thoughts and prayers out to Antonio and his father. Hula Grim with 
30 months, the big 3-0. I just want to know why Seth was dressed as a Jacksonville Jaguar. The beer garden is back. OTS for life. Thank you, Hooligram. Love you, buddy. Eric Newton. And yes, I don't know what Rollins was wearing. Whatever, man. He's the world champion. I guess he could dress out however he wants. Uh, Eric Newton, glad to have the beer garden back. A dreadful thought came to mind. I'm happy Asuka won, but I'm scared they are setting up to feed her to Charlotte. Eric, you put that out there in the universe, brother. I did not. I hope to God that's not the case. Ice Cold Steve, 732 with one month. Absolutely love that WWE's making these Saudi shows mean something despite very little build. Good show, in my opinion. They got it right in the end. Yeah, hopefully we get some fucking storyline now. We got money in the bank at SummerSlam. We need some stories. Karimix with $2. Natalia, 90 hard. Simply the Pope with 13 months. It was a great show, so I'm done with Roman. Are you done with Roman? I'm done with Cody. Fire Marshal Bill with a 999. Jimmy about to catch the beatdown from Solo. The story is all about Jay Uso. It started with Jay, it ends with Jay. Jay will redeem Jimmy by beating Roman. Jimmy is not ending Roman Street. Or neither is Jay. Jay is not ending Roman. Gary Gordon with a $5 super chat. What a great moment watching a victorious Sami Zayn hovering a beaten tribal chief. That picture was worth a thousand words. That was a great picture, man. A great scene indeed. Sean Ray J with a $10 super chat. Do you see new titles for the women happening? With Asuka winning it, it seems more unlikely, but them waiting this long to do a swap makes no sense. I hope you're right, man. I hope that's the case. I really do. Eugene Morgan with 10 months. Ah, yes, the beer garden is back. It's summer, summertime in my Will Smith voice. Thank you, Eugene. I love the beer garden. For Zit, consolation prize looks better than the real prize. It's a beautiful looking title, man. I will give it that. Dom Wapo with a 499. Solid show tonight. Loved Oscar winning. And when Jimmy super kicked Roman, I jumped out of my chair. Amazing ending. Keep rocking it, brother. OTS for life. Thank you, man. Uncle Willie with nine, one, nine months. Hello, JD. Just checking in. Feel better and enjoy your Memorial Day weekend with double or nothing capping it off. Thank you, brother. Thank you for nine months, man. Jeremy Lewis with 21 months. Night of Champions was a 7 out of 10 show for me. Could have been booked a bit differently. Though congrats to Rollins. Excited for Double or Nothing tomorrow night. Cheers. Thank you, Jeremy, for 21 months, brother. Three more months and you are an OTS uh, Golden Mike member. Joseph Taylor with a $5 Super Chat. JD, some guy told me on Instagram that since Bianca lost the title today, SummerSlam won't sell out because she's not champion anymore. Your opinion? Uh, Joseph Taylor, I don't know why you talk to these fucking irrelevant low IQ schmucks. 
That has nothing to do with why SummerSlam is going to sell out or not. And by the way, they are basically on their way to selling out without one fucking match announced. Who cares? Nate, the head of Talent TV with 10 months. Me, Rage, and Peter Gaymore are an OTS faction, and we want our own truck in the garden. We want an Eva Marie and Omos love story. All jokes aside, 10 months. Uh, you come to me with that type of comment again, Nate. I'm going to fucking rescind your 10 months and kick you the fuck out of here. There will be no Eva Marie and Omos anywhere in my beer garden. Beyond the scripts, 20 months. The beer garden is back. Keep up the great work, JD. Always number one in the IWC. Appreciate all your hard work, brother. Thank you, man. Four more months and you got a golden microphone, brother. Hollywood guy with two months. Thank God this was a Triple H production. Sidro. We got the resident comedian Sidro with a couple of jokes. I'll be attending an Andrew Dice Clay concert on Saturday next week. So uh, let's see if we can have Sidro measure up, bro. Let's see what we got here. Sidro, let's see. How is CM Punk similar to Flowing Water? They both fill brooks. Yeah. I think the crowd liked that one. Which wrestler used to be the captain of a Spanish boat for shipping chickens? Apoyo Cruz. You know, like a, a Apollo Cruz, a Pollo Cruz. Yeah, I get, it, I get it, I get it, man. That's a good one, man. Uh, Sidro, also, what kind of horror movie does Bobby Roode prefer? Goriest. Yeah, not, uh, not, uh, it's not, uh, it's, that wasn't a good one, bro. That wasn't a good one. Why did members of the NWO not eat their dessert on the table for three? Because it was too sweet. Some people cheering that. You got some people cheering for that one, uh, Sidra. I'm sorry, brother. You got two out of four. You got two out of four. Maybe two and a half out of four. And yes, piped in crowd noise in the venue, man. I, I don't believe I'm uh, following the, the Kevin Dunn edict here of piped in crowd noise in the OTS venue. Thank you, Sidra. Tim Lowry with seven months. I agree with you, JD. The World Heavyweight Championship match should have been the main event, and I think the SmackDown women's title was the weakest of the show. I mean, well, uh, they didn't really have much to go on there, Tim. It was 90 seconds. Jonathan Fambro with a new membership. Thank you, Jonathan. Phil with a 17 months. Thank you, brother. 
What a moment for Rollins. Night of Champions was a very enjoyable show, and what an ending that was. Maybe we get Jimmy versus Roman at SummerSlam. Love the show, JD. Thank you, Phil. I don't know what we're doing with uh, Roman. He may be defending the title against his own family. Who knows? Justin with a 199. Hope you feel better soon, JD. Being sick sucks. Yes, it does. Ryoku with four months. Always have to support the tribal chief of the IWC. I'm on the brink of making great moves this year, and you inspire me to chase it. Thank you, JD. Ryoku, I appreciate that comment, brother. Thank you so much, man. Take Tay, the savior with a 199. Rhea and Judgment take to SmackDown. Oscar to Raw. That is, a, that is a very uneven trade, Tay-Tay. Not one I would make personally. DJ Lundy with 16 months. Tyler Sneed just got the same treatment like Natalia did tonight. Squashed. Fuck Tyler Sneed. Tay-Tay, the savior with a 499. Unfortunately, we're getting a third match with Cody and Brock at either Money in the Bank or SummerSlam. <laughs> Scam. Yeah. That is a given. Colleen Schmitz. WWE Raw Stars have a 19-hour flight to Albany, New York. Good luck. Couldn't be me. Tone C with three months. Night of Champions was okay. The end was the best. Sipping on an ice-cold Heineken. Enjoying the nice weather in the beer garden. Cheers, OTS family. Well, Tone, I don't know where you got the Heineken from. We don't actually serve that choice of beverage here. Um, But uh, if you snuck it in, I'll just blame it on Jesse. Tay-Tay the Savior with a 499. Missed the Cody Lesnar match because I was out getting Chick-fil-A. Thank you for the update, Tay-Tay. Chick-fil-A is awesome. Phil with a 1999. Thank you, brother. Take it from someone like me who has... Three surgeries on both my arms. First of all, a Kimura lock would have shattered the broken arm. Second, he wouldn't even be able to move his arm. They are doing Cody all wrong. OTS for life. Phil, the entire situation sucks dick. It's awful. You just heard it from somebody who's an OTS VIP who had a broken arm himself. It was a logical garbage. Basically, a, a cartoon character is Cody Rhodes, and it's awful. Scott Woodford with three months. I missed the show. Should I watch the show? Yes, you should. The Cake with a $2 Super Chat. Cody had a mid-match with Okada, Kenny, and now Brock. Cody's a great pro wrestler, though. It's just created right now. It's terrible. Road Warrior Roderick with $10. Only saw the main event. We'll watch the full pay-per-view later, though. Roman should have lost the titles. He delivers every time he wrestles. Except Brock, it's the little things his character work is utterly, utterworldly. Uh, Roman is awesome. No matter what you feel about Roman, Roman is awesome. Your Nation's T with a 499. So happy Oscar won. Oscar, Cody, you, and Triple H taking over are the only reasons why I started watching wrestling again. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for uh, including me in that uh, list of uh, things. Thank you very much, man. DRD, new member. Thank you, brother. 
Victor Manuel with a 499. First super chat. Thank you, Victor. Cake with the $2 super chat. Oscar versus EO is the move. Nothing else. I agree. I don't know if we're going to get there, but I agree. Chris with 10 months. What's up, JD? 10 months in the venue. I'm happy for Rollins. Why does Rollins defend the World Heavyweight title against, or who does he defend the title against at SummerSlam? Uh, uh, heel Drew McIntyre. Or they could do Finn, one or the other. Uh, your nation's tea with one month. Pay-per-views this year been on fire. Most of them have been good. This is one of WWE's better years for sure. Stu Sexton, my guy. Stu Sexton. Yes. What's up, JD? Glad to be back in the beer garden. You missed my milestone Super Chat Wednesday. OTS for life. Stu, it never came across, bro. I would never not read your Milestone Super Chat, brother. YouTube is notorious for not sending them through. But I apologize. Chris Robe with a five. Been watching JD, WrestleMania 32. This podcast is the number one podcast in my opinion. Thank you, Chris Robe. That is eight years, brother. That's a long time, man. Metalhead for life, 17 months, greatest of them all. What is? The show? I know. Dominic with a new membership. Thank you, Dominic. Isaac Smith with a $20 super chat. What an ending. I'm drinking a gin martini, best drink on the planet. I popped when I saw Jimmy... Super kick Roman's head off. Also, I think Oscar winning is setting up Bianca's heel turn. What kind, uh, kind of what they did with Braun Breaker in NXT? I would love to see that. I think that would be fucking fantastic. Twenty four with a one ninety nine. Trish Stratus has Jericho's gimmick now. Yeah, I guess. Stu Sexton with a $2 super chat. Oh, man, that sucks. It was 39 months. Brother, listen, man, I don't know what to tell you. Jesse was actually complaining about that on his channel, too. It's just unbelievable. YouTube is just shitty. The Professional Guy with a $2 super chat. JD, thumbs up. What are your favorite Seinfeld episodes? Man, there are so many. Uh, I think I, I think some of my favorite episodes, honestly, are uh, the soup episode. I think uh, the episodes where they're trying to sell the pilot for their TV show. I think that shit's awesome. Th- there's just so many the, the 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 pirate the pirate episode the pirate shirt episode. So many, man. I'd have to go back. I'm I'm constantly watching them late at night on TV too. When I'm laying on the couch and there's nothing else interesting on. They'll usually play a block of uh, like an hour, hour and a half of Seinfeld on Fox 5 here in New York City. I'll just end up watching them. It's one of those things I can just watch all day long, honestly. Festivus is great. The fucking chicken episode where uh, Kramer is um, blinded by the fucking chicken restaurant outside his apartment. Guys, that's all we got, man. That is all we got. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get out of here, man. I really am ready to get out of here. 
The Mustang is revving up to get the hell out of here, man. The beer garden's closing up for the night and will be reopened on Sunday. Double or nothing. Live on pay-per-view, Jesse and I will be covering the show right here from the beer garden on Sunday night. Please join us tomorrow night if you're a fan of AEW or not. Follow me on social media, guys, at JD from NY206. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button for more. And go check out all the other content on the channel, guys. I appreciate you all for hanging out tonight, making us number one in the community for Night of Champions. Enjoy your Saturdays. It's a gorgeous day out, especially if you're in New York. I'm going to take a shower, make myself a nice hamburger, cheeseburger, some pasta salad, and a nice cold beverage, man. I'll see you guys right back here on Off The Script for AEW Double or Nothing. I'll see you guys later. I don't even know why I come here.